Well, hi again, everyone, and a pleasant good evening. I'm John Kelly. Welcome to another edition of Behind the Bench with head coach Craig Berube. Tonight's show is sponsored by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Boardwalk has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Visit a showroom in Crestwood, Manchester, or St. Peter's, or online at boardwalkhardwood.com. The Blues, of course, enjoying a bit of a break as they get set to begin a three-game road trip tomorrow night in San Jose. Right now, the club has won four in a row, and they sit in first place in the West with a record of 22-8-6, 50 points, three points ahead of the Colorado Avalanche, who lost last night at home to Carolina. So, Coach, after a three-game losing streak, you have to love the fact that your club has bounced back with four in a row. Yeah, real good road uh, home stand here. Uh, you know, played some real good hockey and, uh, you know, and good teams too. I mean, you got Colorado and Edmonton coming in here. They're right there, you know, uh, Colorado right on our heels. But uh, we played some real good hockey here at home. And, uh, you know, we've got to continue to go on the road here now. We've been a good road team this year. Um, you know, it's real – It's it's important you got to really dial yourself in this time of year with Christmas around the corner and these two games on the road are you know they're important games and we've got to make sure our guys get dialed in and get focused yeah and as uh, as a player I'm sure you experience this uh, the holidays a, a lot of commotion and family and obviously a lot of uh, big events including Christmas and New Year's um, but what's the biggest challenge as far as the team and focusing and, and trying to get some wins here over the holiday break well, like they're going to, you know, it's it's a tendency to just think about Christmas and the break, you know. Um, but, you know, we got to make sure that we, we can, you know, have an opportunity to get uh, four more points here before Christmas. So that's got to be our focus more than anything. Um, and that's really about it. I mean, other than that, like, you know, their their, their minds are probably on Christmas and, and the break and, you know, spending time with their families and their kids. But, like, again, it's up to us coaches to dial them in for, you know, four more points. Coach, we mentioned the Blues have won four in a row. I'm sure you're, you're obviously thrilled with that. But also the way you've played, it looks like you, your team is, is checking really well, you know, back-checking, forechecking, playing physical hockey. Uh, is it is it fair to say that you're playing the way you want to play? Yeah, for sure. I think that this home standard, we started to really play our game. More than I've seen you know in a while um all around like i think offensively and defensively just the checking part and the skating and the physicality and being just being tight for five man units in the, all three zones um it's been really good here at home coach obviously the blues are still dealing with some long term injuries including Tarasenko and Sammy Blay and a couple of short-term injuries. But, you know, the young guys have come up, including a guy like Kairou, and McEachern is still a young player. Have, have those younger players, with their youthful enthusiasm, if you will, helped you overcome some of these injuries? Oh, definitely. I think they played well. Uh, McEachern's got six goals. I mean, he's, he's doing some real good stuff for us. Uh, you know, he's been solid all year, to be honest with you. And Kairou's come up and played pretty well. Um, you know, he, he adds speed and skill to our lineup. And, uh, you know, I think in some of these big games, he's been a pretty good player. Like, you know, you're playing against Colorado and Edmonton. They're good teams, and they got some great players on on both teams that, uh, you know, they're tough to deal with out there. But he's done a real good job. All right, Craig Ruby, let's go back last week. The Blues beat Chicago last Saturday. A come-from-behind victory. Four goals in the third period. But before that, 
You guys had outshot the Hawks 13-2 in the first and, and really owned the play. Uh, what were your thoughts after one when it was scoreless? Well, just come out in second and do the same thing. I mean, there's this, you know, Crawford was good. He made some big saves, and, uh, you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. But I really liked the way we were playing. I really liked our game all uh, the whole game. I really didn't, you know, dislike it. We gave up, obviously, some goals on a couple mistakes. But uh, overall, I thought we carried to play. Um, and, you know, it, we came through. We stayed with it. And, uh, you know, the Thomas line was real good that night. And, uh, they got three goals. So, you know, it was, it, someone's always coming through for us, and that's the key. What was the message after Kane made it 3 nothing at 416 of the third to make it, you know, uh, not, a, not an insurmountable lead, obviously, but a big lead? Well, just try to get one goal. Like, you know, it's like that's that's the only way we're going to get energized again. I think that was like, you know, almost a nail in the coffin there, the third goal, and we're like, oh, can't score tonight. They, you know, they, they shoot, you know, they got limited chances, but it went in, and then that happens sometimes. But to go get a goal uh, fairly quick was key. I thought that brought a lot of energy to our bench. Right away I could hear the guys getting – perked up about that and um, you know and then we go get another one now we're back in the game and then of course the tying goal by Della Rose and Falk wins it at 17:34. speaking of Justin Falk lately you've had him with Petrangelo um, what have you liked about his game in particular in the last couple of weeks well they look like they have real good chemistry together right now for me I'm not saying it'll last but I hopefully it does uh, Falk looks fine on left you know, he's shooting a puck. Like, I mean shooting it. Like, every time he gets it, he's shooting it. Um, and he's a, he's on a one-timer side there, being on the left side now, which is good. He can get it off quicker, you know. it's uh, And he's got a high-end player playing with him. I mean, that can make plays to him. And they look like they're feeding off each other. They, they both play off instincts quite a bit. So uh, that could be one of the keys why it's working. Was Falk a little bit hesitant, if you will, in the first month or so after the trade? Of course, it was his first trade as a player. Oh, definitely. It takes a while, uh, especially, you know, someone that's been in one place that long. He's been there quite a while, so he got real comfortable. And you go to a new spot, it's, you know, you're just trying to fit in with your team, teammates and your the city and, and everything like that. And then you're trying to fit into how we want him to play and finding a role on our team. And that's, you know, it takes time. And I think he's done a good job. He's a great, great guy, um, real good teammate. Uh, our guys really like him. Uh, and you know he's starting to come around, so there's tremendous upside there with this with him as a player. Coach, have you ever been part of a three goal comeback like you did the other night against Chicago, either as a coach or a player? Oh, definitely. I've been around some of the, uh, some games where you come back, and I remember a game at home in Philly. Uh, I think I was the co- one of the coaches at the time. We were, I think, we scored four or five in a third period to come back and win a game against Carolina. We're down like six one. Pretty good. Yeah. Very good. All right, after the game against Chicago and the, the town was buzzing, you have a first-place battle Monday against Colorado. You win the game 5-2. David Perron, the hat-trick, his fifth career hat-trick. Vince Dunn, the game-winning goal on the power play. And Jordan Cairo, a great wraparound goal as well. And, Coach, except for perhaps the first 10 minutes of the second period when Colorado got a couple of goals, did you like the way your team played and controlled the game? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, our players really, you know, we talked about it's going to be a playoff and uh, type game, first place on the line, and our players really responded. I thought uh, right away in the game, we, I could tell we were, you know, 
dialed in. Um, you know, I thought it was a good hockey game, to be honest with you, both ways. Uh, they're they're a very good team. They got some real high end players, and but we 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 checked well, and I thought that uh, I thought we carried to play for the most part. Um, you know, and and hung in there like we were down, but we got guys that come through at uh, at big moments. You have now beaten the Avalanche six consecutive games going back to last year. And the big boys in Colorado, McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, by and large, you've done a really good job. Can you sense from behind the bench when you see their eyes on the ice that perhaps you're getting them a little bit frustrated? You could see it. Um, you know, I think the one thing we do really well is we do a good job in the neutral zone. And when you play, you know, teams like Colorado that have McKinnons, Edmonton, McDavid's, you better be good in the neutral zone. You got to slow them down. You can't let them come with a ton of speed. Our forwards have done a great job of being tight in there and, and slowing them down. And our deer, our defense have real good gaps and good sticks. And we just, we just break a lot of plays up, and that frustrates them. Coach, another key to that victory was the power play. It had been 0 for 14 until you got two power play goals late in the second period from David Perron and again the winner from Vince Dunn. Was there something that you saw in the way the Avs defended or was just a case of the Blues with really good execution on the power play? Well, you need both, but you know, every PK is a little bit different and you're trying to break it down and all that. But it really boils down to just execution and, and um, you know, making good shots. That's really what it boils down to. If you're executing, moving the puck quick, you know, whatever PK you're playing against, you're going to get chances. Um, that's just the way it is. And if the goalie's not sharp or, you know, you're shooting the puck really well and you're, you make a great shot, you're probably going to score. Meanwhile, the power play overall has been very good and certainly a lot better than it was late last year. Mark Savard comes in as an assistant coach. Do you like, the, generally speaking, what um, the theory is on the power play now and, and the execution? Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I think that he's done a good job. He's, you know, he's really into it. He talks to the guys a lot, and always board chatting and, you know, just what he wants to see from it. And, um, you know, I think it's just a lot it has a lot more chemistry than it has in the past. That's what I see. You know, guys are moving the puck quicker and, and working for each other. And it's little things like that. Even though you don't score, when I'm seeing that kind of stuff, I know that it's 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 in a good spot. You, you know, you're not going to score all the time. You're going to go through slumps and highs and lows on a PP. You don't panic. You don't break it all up and... You don't think that putting new players there is going to fix it. That's not going to fix it. You just got to watch for certain tendencies on the power play. And if things are looking good and you're not scoring but they're looking good, it'll come around. Coach, the last game was Wednesday, a 2-1 victory over the Edmonton Oilers. Shannon McEachern with the goals. McEachern, the game winner, out shooting Edmonton 44-36. One of those games where the goaltender Koskinen, the big fin, he almost stole that game for, for Edmonton. Yeah, he was excellent. I mean, there was a good example about, um, you know, we had opportunities on a power play and didn't score. He was excellent. He's a big goalie. I thought he moved laterally really well, uh, read the play really well, and you know, we had a tough time scoring. Shen goes down and breaks the ice there, which was huge. That was a great shot by him and a heads-up play by Dunn. Uh, you know, that was obviously a huge goal for us. And the Blues hang on and win 2-1. to one. Got a little hairy at the end, though, Coach. James Neal scored a goal at 18-10, and you challenged for goaltender interference. Your thoughts on the challenge, and uh, did you think that you should have won it? Uh 
My thought on the challenge was that Jake couldn't, you know, attempt to get back in the net because he was interfered by uh, um, Cassian. And I thought, you know, with the rule, like, you know, the, the player has to uh, somewhat try to avoid the goalie, but he didn't. But, you know, I understand why they didn't call it too, and I know it's risky. But I'm I'm an aggressive coach, and I thought it was a, I thought you know it was I'm going to challenge it you know just because that's the way I think I, I I am and my team is. Now in saying that, am I right? I don't know. I think you know it's a 50-50 challenge to be honest with you. Um, but our guys did a great job of killing that penalty off and winning the game for us. So after the referees make their decision, and they are the ones that make the original call, and also they are the ones that make the decision on the review, did they give you any explanation as to why they did not overturn it? No, they're not allowed to, I don't think. They're not, they don't want them coming over and giving us explanations during the game. So, Well, you know, if you, if you want, you can find out after. Well, all is good. The Blues won the game 2-1 to one and have now won four in a row. Craig Berube, a couple more things for you. The Blues obviously missing Bozak the other night, a late scratch with the flu. Ivan Barbashev has missed the last couple, as has Carl Gunnarsson. Any updates on those three? Yeah, uh, they'll be on the trip with us. Uh, Bozak and Barbashev will be. Gunnarsson will not be. So uh, Bozak's probably good to go, and, and Barbashev we're still waiting on, but he, he's a possibility in San Jose, so we'll see. All right, Coach, the Blues in San Jose tomorrow night, the first of three games against the Sharks. Um, they have struggled this year, a team that you beat last year in the Western Conference Final. A couple of games under five hundred. Uh, they fire the coach, Pete DeBoer. Bob Bugner has taken over. Uh, are you surprised that they are struggling a bit right now? Well, yeah. I mean, they've been a good team for quite some time and, and really – you know, not a lot of different people, you know, a lot of the same players, but, uh, you know, they're still dangerous. They still got a lot of good players over there, so it'll be a tough game. I mean, sometimes teams go through things. It takes a while to get out of it, but you never know. Like, they're, 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 still, they're still a good hockey team. There's no doubt in my mind. They have real good players still, so I don't expect uh, anything but a tough game going into San Jose. It's always been a hard game in that building. Going back to last year's playoffs, what was the key or were the keys to you beating the Sharks in six? Being physical on their defense, I believe, is the biggest thing. And on their team in general, I think our forecheck really, you know, put them on their heels. I thought that we played a physical, hard forechecking game against them, um, you know, and it really disrupted them, I thought. And then finally, the last game before Christmas is on the 23rd in L.A. You beat the Kings 5-2. That was the night Tarasenko got hurt. But your power play was really good that night, 3-4. Uh, that obviously was important. And what was the key to having this success? Yeah, I think, you know, like, again, our power play, it's it's been really you know, pretty much good all year. I mean, you go through some uh, tough times with it a little bit, but I think overall, like, we're attacking and shooting the puck, and, and guys are comfortable in their spots, and they're accepting their roles in the power play, and they're doing their job. Um, you know, you got some high-end shooters with David Perron out there that can score from, you know, a lot of areas with his shots. So, um, you know, and Petrangelo has a great shot too, and he's shooting the puck a lot. And we got good guys at the net with uh, Shen, Schwartz, maybe it's O'Reilly. So I think just the chemistry together of those five guys is the reason the power play's been good. All right, Coach, thank you very much for your time. Good luck in California. And uh, it's our last show, of course, before Christmas. Have a, a nice Christmas break. I know it's not long for the Blues, but uh, enjoy the family time, and we'll talk to you in a few weeks. Yeah, thanks, J.K. You have a great Christmas, too, and your family. 
All right, that is the head coach, Craig Berube, here on Behind the Bench. Coming up next, we'll talk to the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico, get his thoughts on this year's Blues team and also, of course, the Blues winning the Stanley Cup last year against the Boston Bruins. We'll talk to Bernie Federico coming up next right here on 101 ESPN. And welcome back to Behind the Bench. I'm John Kelly, pleased to be joined by the Hall of Famer, number 24, Bernie Federico, of course, spent... Most of his career as a blue, 927 games, and now does a great job with us on Fox Sports Midwest. And, Bernie, first of all, happy holidays. You must be excited for Christmas. Love Christmas. This is the best time of the year, and even having a little bit of snow over the course of the last couple of days, it, it makes it even nicer. Absolutely. Bernie, are you at all surprised that this team has had such a good start? I know that you know we're only at the one-third mark, if you will, but coming off a Stanley Cup in a short summer, uh, did you expect them to play this well in the first couple of months? You know, John, I don't know what I really expected. I, I know that this team has a great structure, and I knew that the system that they play is, is, has been really, obviously, was very successful last year. So I think everybody talks about Stanley Cup hangover, though. Are they going to be able to get motivated? Are they going to have the adrenaline running through them uh, like they did at the end of the year last year? And I think that was the concern that I had. But I think, to be honest with you, with the amount of injuries that they've had, I think that's kind of maybe helped with things because there's been always some somebody new coming in the lineup. Uh, some of the guys that were third and fourth liners have moved up the uh, the ladder and, and, and getting more ice time. And, and I think that's kind of maybe uh, kept this from being a Stanley Cup uh, hangover. Everybody's excited about playing, and, and the structure is great. So uh, I think maybe people are surprised. But I don't think I'm really that surprised that they're where they're at in the standings. Yeah, Bernie, going back to when you played, when you had injuries, did you feel that young guys coming up with their energy and enthusiasm that it almost energized the team? Yeah, it did. There's no question about it. I mean, I think when you have guys that have been there, if you really don't have any injuries, uh, a lot of times guys maybe get a little stale. Uh, if you're playing really well, okay, it's great. But if you go into a little bit of slump, there's nothing to, to really spark you. And the kids now um, that have been coming up, the kids that we've you know have come up from San Antonio have really added that spark. And, and I, I really believe that, that that can really happen. And I think that's really happened to this hockey club. Bernie, obviously you've been around since the, the mid-70s. How much did the Federico family enjoy the cup? Oh, John, this was one of those special moments that, that uh, I think we all talked about, we all dreamed about hab having that happen here in St. Louis. So uh, I know that my, my entire family, the kids, the boys, uh, have never been more excited. To, uh, you know, I was able to, to really get on uh, um, um, FaceTime with them after the game in Boston and, and kind of had the, the, the phone up there to look at the cup and everything, and everybody was back at the house partying and celebrating. So it was, it, was, it was a special moment. And then, of course, the parade and everything else that went that with, went with it was uh, one of those uh, uh, moments that you dream about, and, and it's been really uh, one of the highest rides that, that our family's ever had. I know that I was up in the press box in the last couple of minutes. You were up there along with Darren Pang. I mean, in a way, is it almost surreal that when that clock was ticking down that we knew the Blues were going to be Stanley Cup champions? Yeah, I'll even go back a moment earlier in that, John. I think when we saw the third goal in, when the Blues scored that th third goal, I think we all looked at each other and said, there's no way the Bruins are going to get four goals in the last five minutes of this game. So I think we all said, this is this is it. But yeah, when it clicked down, with the, when the when the when really the buzzer sounded at the end of that game, uh, uh, just watching the ovation, I think that's something that I really enjoy more than anything else. And no matter what sport it is, uh, the celebration that goes at the final buzzer or the uh, when the, the game ends in, in any sport, uh, for a championship, uh, I think that's one of the most thrilling moments that you ever can see, and to, to be there in Boston for it to happen for the Blues for the first time is—it's it's a moment that I'll never forget. Obviously, when uh, you know a team wins a championship, you think of people and you think of fans, 
it's for me, of course, thinking of my dad, what he would have thought. I wonder what Barkley Plager would have thought had he been there. Well, that was one of the things that I, I thought about right off the bat because, you know, Bark was the guy that was, was really uh, so responsible for, for my play in, in the league. I mean, I was fortunate that I ended up in the minors with Bark for a few months to start my career. And then when he got called up here to become the coach of the, of the Blues, it, it was really uh, a very special for me. And we had that great relationship. And he was a winner. He was the guy that was a pusher, but but he was always that guy that that uh, was confident in, in what you could do, and he was always a positive uh, person. And uh, I, I think that, uh, and there's no question. I mean, I, I'm a real believer that he was he was a part of the reason that that the Blues were able to finally win that. I mean, and uh, where he's uh, up there, he he was watching over it, and I'm sure that he has a biggest smile on his face as anybody. And I'm sure your dad was the same way because uh, those guys, you know, dreamt about winning the cup. They ate, slept. They dreamt about being Stanley Cup champs here in St. Louis, and I think for both of them, I'm sure they were very, very excited about it happening. Yeah, no question. You know, I, I've always wondered, I, I bet, you know, people like Bark and Bobby and, and my dad and the late Al Arbor, you know, they went to the final the first three years, as you know, and didn't go back for 49 years. I, I wonder if they thought, man, this is easy here in the first three years. <laughs> well, I, don't, I think that the fans here in St. Louis thought it was real easy because, um, you know what, they, they didn't know any better. It's, it's, it's like when, when you're given a team and, and all of a sudden uh, they're in the Stanley Cup final and you see the Cup is in town here for three years in a row when uh, you're playing the finals and people just expected that to happen. But I think that uh, as time progressed and we all know the newer fans saying, wow, I mean, that was really special what the Blues did in the first three years, but it must be really hard because it's 49 years and they still haven't got there. And there was a lot of great teams here in St. Louis. Uh, the Blues winning, the obviously, the President's uh, Trophy back in uh, uh, 2000 and, and uh, uh, 2000. And, and so, I mean, when you look at the teams and the guys that have gone there, I mean, you had Al McKinnis and Chris Pronger on the team, Brad Hall, you had so many great players, even Wayne Gretzky on that team here uh, in the 90s. Uh, and you, you think, well, when you got players like that, you're going to win the Cup. But it takes a lot to win a Cup. It takes the right breaks. It takes uh, not only the players, but it, 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 it's not having injuries, uh, the right bounce, uh, the right save from a goaltender. So, I mean, everything happened. It was destiny. It was, it was in place for the Blues last year. And, and thankfully, it all happened and came together. Bernie Ferdoku, you, you mentioned they've had a lot of great teams. That was my next question. You, of course, played on two teams in particular that I felt had a good chance to win the Cup. The 80-81 team that had 105 points. And then in 86, you went to the third round before losing to Calgary in the Western Final. Um, what was the better team, and did you feel you could have won either of those years? Well, the 81 team was probably the best team that I was on. I mean, it was much better than the team we had in 86. Um, um, we had a, a lot of skill on that team. Emil Francis had put such a, a great team together because we had all these uh, guys that were first-round draft picks that had been with other organizations, guys like Ralph Clausen and Rick LaPointe and, and uh, uh, Brian Maxwell. Um, these guys all came, and Blair Chapman. I mean, we had so many first-round picks that all come. Mike Crombie and another guy that came from other organizations, and uh, we had so much skill on that team, and we almost like we could score at will. And of course, we had Mike Liut in goal, who was uh, the best goaltender in the league uh, during that year. So it was very disappointing uh, to, to lose that year because we felt that with all the points that we put up together, we finished second overall to the New York Islanders, uh, that we were, were ready to win it all. And uh, we ran into a, a good team, the New York Rangers, in the second round. And uh, uh, you know, it was a shame about that year, John, is that we weren't able to keep the team together. A lot of things changed the next year, the business of hockey, and uh, some guys didn't come back. And uh, I mean, it was one of those very, very disappointing times that we weren't able to have that same team together for a couple of years because we felt that we could have challenged the New York Islanders. The team in 86, I think we had much less skill, but we had a lot more 
more, I think, heart on that team. Uh, we had guys that uh, did the little extra things that we saw on the team that, that won the Cup last year, is that we had maybe guys that weren't the best players uh, on paper, but when they got out in, in, a, in a game, they, they checked very well. I think we were much more of a checking team. We had two goaltenders that were between Mill, Millen and, and Walmsley that could kind of mix and match and uh, whoever we were playing. So, I mean, that I think was much more a team effort, and um, it was unfortunate that we, after Monday Night Miracle, everybody uh, calls it uh, in Game 6 against Calgary. It was really a shame that we weren't able to win uh, that game in Calgary to at least go to the fi- Cup Final, because then who knows what happened, because all you know the, the great teams there during that year, the Oilers had been knocked out, so there's a lot of teams that were supposed to be the teams that were going to win the Cup. They weren't in it, and it would have been nice to get a chance to, to play the Montreal Canadiens in, in that final as well. No question. All right, Bernie Federico, going back to last year, when did you think this team would or could win the Stanley Cup? Well, I think after the first round, when they beat Winnipeg in the first round, I think that's when we all started thinking. At least that's when I started thinking, boy, things are coming together at the right time. And and I'm I'm going to go right off and say it. I mean, Bennington, the way Bennington played, John, I have never seen a goaltender come in and play with that kind of confidence. He was there if he let, had a bad game or let in a bad goal. I mean, his memory was almost uh, immediately gone, and he would make come up with so many different saves. So, and I think that that's when I started believing when they beat the, the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, that's when I started saying, okay. Okay, with this guy in goal, the way he's playing and the way they're really coming together as a team, uh, there's no question they have a chance. And, uh, um, you know, to beat Winnipeg and then again when Dallas in game seven and it goes into double overtime. And I think when they won game six, I think that's when everybody said, including myself, is that, hey, this team is for real now and I don't think there's anybody that can stop them. And uh, it was, you know, again, even playing against the Boston Bruins, uh, did we all think they had a chance? Well, after the second game when they won in overtime, when Gunnarsson's, you know, Gunny scored that goal, uh, then I, there was I was a believer that this team was destiny was was there and that this team was going to win the cup. I think I watched Game Seven against Dallas with you um, behind the net where Jamie Ben almost won it mm-hmm. in the second overtime on a wraparound. But Bernie, you know, he didn't score, of course, and the Blues scored about a minute fifty later. But that's the goal in the Blues history that would have gone in. I'm thinking of Willie Plett from center ice against you and yep. your team yep. um, with the North Stars, obviously Iserman and. Double overtime um, for Detroit in '96. So that's the goal yeah. that always went in against the Blues. Owen Nolan, remember right. in 2000 when the Blues would won the the, uh, the cup there, the uh, President's Trophy, and the long shot that goes in on Roman Turk that that the Blues get eliminated. Yeah, it was always those things, those bounces, those crazy things that happen against them. Well, it didn't happen against them uh, this year, or th- this last year. And I think John, that was I called destiny. It was it was it was time. And uh, hey, after all these years of of not being able to win that final game or getting to that final round of win again. I think uh, uh, <laughs> it was time and, and Destiny was on the blue side. Bernie, a couple more things to, to wrap up here. Wherever you go in St. Louis, I'm sure people talk to you about the Stanley Cup. Can you put into words what the Cup has meant to the fans and how crazy they are for this team right now? Well, this team, this this city has been so patient with the St. Louis Blues. I mean, this, uh, I mean, I've watched this uh, this group of fans um, get bigger and bigger and bigger over the years. I mean, uh, I mean, Brett Hall 
changed the game of hockey here in town. I mean, uh, uh, the kids that wanted to play the game because of all the goals he was scoring. I mean, that charisma that he had, uh, the grassroots programs in St. Louis just exploded and uh, rinks came up and uh, everybody became St. Louis Blues fans. I mean, it's this was always just kind of more such a baseball town than it was a hockey town. Well, over the course of the last few years, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, the explosion now that happened with the, with the Blues winning the cup, I mean, uh, I mean, we've always heard the story hey, I hope the Blues win a cup before I die. It's, it's always been there. And and I just, uh, from talking to the fans right now, is that uh, they always believed that this was going to happen. And I think that uh, they they now are still, it's surreal, they're still pinching themselves because they really, did it really happen? And and uh, uh, we've just got such a great group of fans, people that really believe in hockey, believe uh, that the Blues are as big as the Cardinals in town. And I think that uh, this finally has, has shown uh, the rest of the world that St. Louis is not just a baseball team, it's, it's a huge hockey town. Well, now that you've won one, you want to win two. Bernie, can they win another one this year? Absolutely. I mean, they're showing that they can. I mean, they've got, uh, with all the injuries that they've had, they still continue to play a great system. And I think that uh, the way Craig, Craig Berube has handled this team, uh, what he does is he, he brings all the confidence that to this team. He's always positive. Uh, the guys believe themselves, John, and, and uh, no matter what the score is in the game, we're seeing that. They can be down by three goals to Chicago the other night, and they find a way uh, to score four goals and win the game. I mean, we've seen them in the last minute having to, to win the games or tie the games and they've been able to do it. We've seen it in overtime. Or, uh, they do all the right things at the right time. So yes, this is a team that believes in, believes in themselves. They believe in each other. They've got great goaltending and I think that really, if your team has got great goaltending, they've got a chance to win and I think this team really does have that. No question. Hey Bernie, thank you for the visit and uh, you and uh, Bernadette and your boys have a wonderful Christmas and uh, let's keep cheering on the Blues. Absolutely, John. You and your family have a great Christmas as well. Alright, that is the great Bernie Federico, the Hall of Famer, our guest here on Behind the Bench. Much more coming up next on 101 ESPN. And welcome back to Behind the Bench. I'm John Kelly. Our final segment here tonight is brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Boardwalk has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Visit a showroom in Crestwood, Manchester, or St. Peter's, or online at boardwalkhardwood.com. In our final segment, we talk with Steve Chapman, of course, the Chief Revenue Officer of the St. Louis Blues and Chappie you've been with the Blues now for almost five years and you know driving down here I'm thinking this is a pretty good time to be a member of the Blues organization selling the team marketing the team the Winter Classic the third round in 16 the Stanley Cup now the All-Star game and who knows what happens down the road but it's a pretty good time isn't it yeah we're all pretty smart right now right <laughs> like we're all we're all uh, doing one heck of a job no it is it's uh, the last few years have been I, I think really unprecedented and I wouldn't just say for St. Louis, like for any team to have a, a run like the St. Louis Blues fans are enjoying right now. And as you well know, well-deserved, right? Uh, well-deserved by the fans, but you know, I guess it all started a few years ago with the Winter Classic, and you know that was our organization's effort. It was a team effort to, to first. We had to convince the National Hockey League to come to St. Louis because if you'll if you'll put on your you know if you'll if you'll take yourself back to that time period, like the games were really being played in New York and Chicago and L.A. and 
and they really hadn't started looking at mid markets and and you know fringe markets quote unquote to, to play the major events like that because one of the things they always look at of course is media and and as we know it's it's uh, you know the St. Louis is not the media mecca the the the, the New Yorks and every the Chicago's and everything else um, and we convinced them to come to St. Louis and we told them uh, first of all the fan support here will be unprecedented things like you've never seen and we'll we'll put on an unbelievable show it'll be a great place uh, to showcase hockey and to showcase the National Hockey League and then with that I think one of the things that they still talk about to this day how impressed they were with our relationship with the St. Louis Cardinals you know it was a collaboration it was really a collaboration between us the Cardinals the city uh, the fans themselves and the National Hockey League so it kind of started there we put on an unbelievable uh, alumni game an unbelievable winter classic uh, and then from a hockey perspective you know a couple years later you're in the Stanley Cup finals and this same group is coming back um, to St. Louis and and working with us as we as we put on that um, production for the world to, to see, um, and now coming back to the All Star Game, it's uh, from a league perspective. I think they've they have thoroughly enjoyed their relationship with the St. Louis Blues and with the St. Louis community, and yeah, it's it's been it's been a hell of a run here, and uh, we're enjoying it. Obviously, Gary Bettman has been the commissioner for many years, going back to the early '90s. But a lot of people around the NHL might not have known the passion in St. Louis for the Blues and the Cardinals. Do you think that you know all of these events have opened some eyes? Oh, without a doubt. I was talking with Jim Woodcock. A lot of a lot of people might know Woody. Woody uh, is um, he, he's probably one of the best PR media guys in the country. Works for Fleshman Hilliard, and we lean on him quite a bit because not only does he have that expertise, but he formerly uh, worked for the Blues. He really had my role. I guess I don't want to don't want to date poor Woody here, but probably 15, 20 years ago, right? And so he's been a great resource for us. But we were talking about this the other day. You know, the uh, we've really changed the viewpoint of St. Louis. I believe nationally right because if you'll go back i mean st louis was getting kicked around a bit um a few years ago losing the rams uh some of the social you know issues that we that we had back then uh that was the 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 the, someone who didn't know that was their view of st louis i remember when i moved here um it was it was you know less than a year after ferguson and i remember some friends in st louis literally asking me this question john are you are you sure you want to move your family to st louis you know because 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 that's the perception, and and when you tell them, guys, it's 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 not what you're seeing on you know on TV. It's not what you're seeing in these made for moment you know scenes that 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 are that are going on. It's a great city with good people. We 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 really like it and are looking forward to it. Well. Now, years later, you know, um, you have the success that I think. And when people say sporting events don't uh, don't bring anything to the community, investment wise or anything else, like they are really have their heads in the sand, right? Because Winter Classic, never mind the millions upon millions of dollars that it brought into the community. Uh, but then I remember shortly thereafter, Barry Deitch with the PGA came down to meet with us because he was concerned about ticket sales. You know, they hadn't yet gone on ticket sales for the. PGA Championship, but he was concerned in a, in a mid-market like St. Louis how they were going to do. And this was probably two months after we had had the Winter Classic. And I remember sitting in Chris Zimmerman's office was myself, Kira Emerson, who is our VP of Analytics here, uh, Chris. And, and I remember looking at Barry and going, Barry, you don't need to worry about ticket sales at all. <laughs> like, put on the best golf tournaments you can put on, and trust us, the, the city will respond. And 
that tournament, I, I was unfortunately out of town, so I didn't get to go uh, live to it. But I remember watching it on TV and hearing, you know, the the, the announcers talking about the unprecedented um, crowds that they were seeing, and and oh my gosh, how this community had it, it sounded like the Winter Classic all over again, right? And then the Stanley Cup Finals. We're fortunate finally after 52 years to make the Stanley Cup Finals, and we're selling out um, viewing parties, and we, you know, we're 50,000 people on the street at a game six viewing party uh, so much that we were worried about stressing the infrastructure of the city. So, you know, I called our good friends, Dan Farrell and, and Bill DeWitt down at the Cardinals and said, Hey, for game seven, we can't do this again on the streets. Can we do it in Bush stadium? Absolutely. And then you have, you have a packed enterprise center. You have 30,000 people down at Bush stadium. Everybody saw what happened with the parade. I think the, the viewpoint of St. Louis nationally is in a completely different place. And that's what these things can do. And the All-Star Game coming up will just be another feather in that cap. Absolutely. Again, we're talking with Steve Chapman, the Chief Revenue Officer of the St. Louis Blues here on Behind the Bench. And you mentioned the All-Star Game. It's coming up in late January. Obviously, the skills competition on Friday night, the game itself Saturday. But it's really a whole week of festivities. What can the fans expect? Uh, the fans that might have a ticket and the fans that might not have a ticket and can come to some of the public events. Well, you just said it. I mean, there's obviously when you when you play a game in an, in an arena, and you have a partner with the NHL who's bringing in you know tons and tons of of, of their own uh, fans and partners and things like that. Ticket supply is limited, so the games are. But but to be involved with the, with the entire event, um, we kind of had a similar approach to this as we had with the Stanley Cup. When this, when we had the Stanley Cup, we wanted to make sure that everybody who wanted to see it, who wanted to spend you know at least a moment with it, or be around it, or touch it, or take a photo with it had the chance to do that and, and I kind of feel like we accomplished it like if you if you didn't get a chance to see the Stanley Cup you weren't trying very hard because we, we had it everywhere well that's kind of what our same mentality is about the All-Star Game it's going to start with Winterfest um, a relationship that we started a few years ago with uh, Keener Plaza and an ice rink that's down there we're going to do some events some youth hockey events some things like that down at Keener Plaza um, there is a media event right here at Stiefel Theater on Thursday night uh, the media event is I guess if you're used to you know the 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 big media day with the super bowl that comes up where the players are all there and and it's but it's a great uh, it's a great event for fans our season ticket holders have first right to get those tickets they're free of charge all you have to do is is contact your season ticket rep and uh, and they'll be able to get, grant you access and then uh, we're very hopeful that we will have extra tickets for the general public um on Thursday, also, uh, our Blues alumni, in partnership with ourselves and the National Hockey League, they're going to be doing an event over at the brewery. Um, it's going to be a small um, lunch event, but there's some big names coming in, like Wayne Gretzky, uh, Hully's coming in town, um, a whole host of, uh, of all-stars and players from other teams. That night at Centene Ice Center, they're going to be doing an alumni classic out there, which will be a fun little event. Um, those tickets will be going on sale soon. Um, so that's Thursday. Fanfare opens on Thursday, which is at Union Station. Tickets are on sale now. They're already telling us that they're having unprecedented response on the sales to Fanfare. You can go to NHL.com backslash Fanfare and buy tickets for as little as ten bucks. I think it, they're 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 set, set up by time, so you know sometimes it might it might cost you twenty bucks to go on Saturday during the All Star game, or it might cost you ten bucks to go on Sunday after the All Star game is over with. But I would encourage fans to uh, to go get your tickets now because we do believe that that's going to become a point where where it sells out. Um, so Fanfare runs Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, on Friday is is the skills competition, as you mentioned. On 
Saturday is the All-Star Game. Um, also on Saturday morning, there'll be a 5K, an All-Star Game 5K for all of our runners and people that like to participate in that sort of thing. Um, word on that and how you can sign up and register. We're doing that in partnership with the St. Louis Sports Commission. Um, so that'll be on Saturday morning. And then when it's all over with, on Sunday, you have that one final day at Fanfare to take it all in. But it's going to be one heck, of a, one heck of a week and one heck of a weekend. What do you think all of this big picture means to the St. Louis Blues um, as a hockey club and an organization business-wise and to the city itself for that just one weekend? Actually, the one week. Well, it's it's just a huge it's a huge thing for the city. I mean, it showcases the city, right? From the St. Louis Blues standpoint, we're trying to showcase St. Louis. Uh, this is our opportunity to to provide something to our fans, our longtime season ticket holders. You know, value uh, that that they can participate in from the, from the league perspective, which we are members of the league. You know, when, when we when we talk about the National Hockey League, sometimes we think of it like this it's this entity up in New York. Well, well we're a member of of the of the National Hockey League. So this is, you know, we, we have a, a part in this as well. You're showcasing the game. You know, uh, you're going to have a collection of the world's greatest hockey players in St. Louis, you know, Friday and Saturday, showcasing their skills. And um, and what a, what a better thing um, to do to just showcase the city, showcase the game, have a lot of fun, turn it into the party that you know St. Louis will. And, uh, and again, it's, 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 it's just the continuation of the story of St. Louis that we're trying to tell here. Absolutely. It should be a great event. Finally, Chappie, again, we're talking with Steve Chapman, Chief Revenue Officer of the Blues. Um, the Blues just came out with a wonderful book called History Made, of course, documenting last year's historic run to the final and winning over Boston in Game 7. Um, I've had a chance to, to buy the book and look at the book. It's wonderful. What has been the reaction been from the general public and the Blues fans? It's been outstanding i went to the uh to the one two three uh, uh event the other last friday and it was pretty cool because at our table people were coming up to our table and getting army getting doug armstrong getting uh, tom to sign the book for them i mean it's a great memento uh, it i think it encapsulates the entire story of our uh, stanley cup championship season and uh, you know the the pictures are awesome the stories are awesome um it's just an incredible book uh we only printed fifteen thousand, and you know Somebody might say, well, why are you plugging this book so much? Uh, well, we're plugging it because I, I, if you want one, I want you to have a chance to get one because I can tell you this, uh, I bought several for, for you know members of my family, my parents, my wife's parents, uh, the kids, just things to keep. There's photos packed with uh, with not just you know the on-ice story, but the story itself. Like One of my favorite parts of the book is the parade, you know, and you see all the pictures of the fans and the interactions with the players and things like that. It's an outstanding book. I encourage fans to, to get it while you can. It's on stlauthentics.com or come by um, STL Authentic store here at, at Enterprise Center. Um, but I really encourage fans to jump on it while you can. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful book. And finally, Chappie, I know that you spent a lot of years in the East Coast Hockey League. You're in their Hall of Fame. You've been here, as we said, five years as Chief Revenue Officer. What did it mean personally to you to be part of a team that won a Stanley Cup and you're in perhaps your best moment in the last year? You know what? I, I'm not even sure I can I can describe what it meant to, to me and that, that that was one thing that I felt really just uh, like I really felt as we won the Stanley Cup is, is obviously for an organization for a fan base you know to win
win their first cup 52 years um, we will win Stanley Cups in the future we'll never win a Stanley Cup like that again right you'll never break a 52 year streak you'll never uh, you know get release that burden but for us personally I mean you included there's so many I'm not going to start saying names but there are so many of us that have been chasing championships at whatever level for years and for me personally like I, we've got tantalizingly close a couple times you could taste it it was right there and just couldn't couldn't do it you know and so to finally win and to finally host I can tell you the you know the time period that I had to host the cup my house was filled with people from Mobile people from Atlanta um, some people from uh, from back east my parents you know some it, it was and, and to see the looks on their faces it was like they want it you know and, and they're not even members of the St. Louis Blues organization they're just friends of mine who have gone through you know the same things um, and when I say go through but you know have lived this alongside of me and, and worked with me and it was uh, it was just an unbelievable feeling and uh, and again uh, it will be the highlight of, of my professional career without a doubt and um, it's just such a privilege to be a part of it yeah certainly a lot of joy a lot of uh, tears of joy a lot of everything a lot of emotions as the Blues won the Cup hey Chappie thank you for the time um, have a great Christmas and a, and a wonderful 2020 not sure if we can top 2019 <laughs> but we'll try we enjoy the visit we will do our best JK happy holidays to you and your family okay that is Steve Chapman chief revenue officer of the St. Louis Blues again also thanks to the head coach of course Craig Bruby and the Hall of Famer Bernie Federko that's our final show before the holidays Merry Christmas everyone and have a great night here on 101